You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to episode 333 of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. I'm Dan. And now that it is April, we are finally continuing on with our March Madness series. Uh, look. <clears throat> we sure are. <laughs> it has been a Allegedly. month. We, we have had a lot of things going on. Illnesses and, and family crap and work and... The fact that we're recording at all, um, you know what? I, I'm going to count that as a win. Uh, but yes, I also think that, like, I think that the podcast is cursed. And you remember how, you know, like, not that long ago, we're like, all right, let's not see what we're doing next because every time we announce it, it ends up not happening because we're cursed. And then we've decided to go to a format where we are picking and calling our shots beforehand. So we have just doomed ourselves forever. We like to give the middle finger to fate on this podcast. It's I appreciate true. it. I think the <laughs> I think that we need to we need to start standing up to fate at this point. Like it's constantly keeping us down. We need to like throw our fucking middle fingers up to it and say fuck off. We're going to do this whether you like it or not. <laughs> and then, you know, probably lose, but at least we stood our ground. Exactly. And you know, if we don't say what we're going to do, then we're always going to be asking ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh man. Oh, thank you. That was good. I was like, <laughs> I love how fucking, like, whenever you're not expecting that, like, it's so loud and abrasive, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I love how okay. stoic Dan is here. Dan's like, I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> Dan is not, not moved. But Dan, you are also recovering. Yeah. Oh, man. <clears throat> From illness, we should play. say. So we are continuing on with our March Madness series. And uh, next up is another round. And, and that's what we're talking about tonight. All right. We should get into um, this then. All right. So uh, another round is let me pull back up the IMDb because I had that up uh, from 2020 directed by Thomas Vinterberg. Thomas Vinterberg. Um, all right. So. Another round, the Video Monsters summary of it, is the story of four middle-class, middle-aged white dudes who discover that drinking is the answer to all of life's problems. <laughs> Until things kind of take a turn for the worse, and that's when they realize that drinking is the answer to all of life's problems. <laughs> <laughs> this movie... Oh, we so we are going to get into this, uh, but this movie is a little general in the ways that it handles its themes, but it handles them 
with such subtlety and it, it, it just really brings you in emotionally. So even though the plot and some of the, uh, some of the story elements might be a little underdeveloped, and I know the two of you might disagree with that, and we're going to get into it. Uh, even though some of the elephant elements of this film might be a little underdeveloped, it does bring you in so emotionally that I honestly was almost crying by the end of it. It is such an amazing movie. Almost. Almost crying. Wow. Yeah. Almost. Heartless bastard. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, this is the most disturbing thing you've said so far that you were almost crying. (laughs) I was swimming in a puddle of my own tears. I was closer to tears at the end of Riders of Justice. So interesting. Yeah, I almost cried at that one. I, I, I was holding back tears, but we're not there yet. That's the next movie that we're talking about. Uh, yeah, another round. I absolutely loved it. It is a great movie. Uh, I think that it goes without saying that all three of us very strongly recommend this film. It does have its shortcomings. But to me, none of those shortcomings detracted from the emotional experience of the movie. While I was watching it, I was so fully invested. It was only after the fact. I was like, man, that was a great movie. Like when this general thing happened or this other general thing happened. Oh, man, this movie's a little general. But that's only man, it's only after the fact that I was overanalyzing it. That I thought that during the film, I thought that it was absolutely amazing. We all love it. It's great. Go watch it after you hear us talk about it. Uh, and it also should go without saying that we are going to get into spoilers because that's what we do. We overanalyze movies and we dissect them. And um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the end of this movie because we have to the end of this movie is one of the best scenes of the movie that was just so heartfelt and that almost had me to tears and was like, I mm. It's, I think it's one of the best so scenes of like any movie. Like it's, you put you put the end of this movie up against any movie, and it is just oh, it's so wonderful. It's just so perfect. I I don't pure know. If I would joy. say pure perfect. cinematic joy. It is amazing. Uh, yeah. So tonight we are going to be talking um, about a few things. Most of it is going to, uh, to kind of be revolving around some of that wish fulfillment and whether or not that is a good thing or a dangerous thing. Uh, we're going to be talking about how this movie handled some of those themes and what worked and what didn't work. I have a feeling that there's going to be some disagreement on what didn't work. And uh, what else was in here? Um, and then how the way that this movie was shot and some of the cinematography and the musical elements really, really heightened this film in, in very subtle ways, but in ways that I think are incredibly effective. All right. So typically we get into our prior information in terms of what we knew about the movie before we watched it, but we kind of did that already with the, with our madness bracket uh, where most of us said we don't know anything about it because we hadn't watched it yet. Dan, had you watched it before we did our bracket? I can't remember. No. Okay. So none of us had seen it. Uh, It just looked great. Um, Yeah. Anything else that any of you want to add from our prior information because again we've kind of already covered that we don't need to spend too much time talking about it uh i i knew nothing about this one other than the, just the only mads thing i drunk. have to add is i do what i said other than just mads getting drunk oh i gotcha gotcha um no the only thing i'll add to it is i had seen one other thomas Vincherberg film before this uh which is the celebration uh which <laughs> is like a 
probably the only worthwhile film to come out of the Dogma 95 movement, which... Uh, all right, Nathan, are you familiar with the, or, or or Dan too? Like, are you guys familiar with this? Uh, yeah, this I, development in cinema history. I am not. Please enlighten. So, like in the mid nineties, uh, it was like a bunch of Danish filmmakers came together. It was like Lars von Trier and Thomas Vinterberg, and I don't really know who else. Uh, I'm looking up Christian Levering, a few other people. Basically, they were kind of just like dissatisfied with the state of filmmaking in general so they came together to create this like list of essentially like limitations they were placing on themselves when they made films so like the rules are stuff like um they had to shoot things on dv cameras camera had to be handheld um Natural natural lighting natural sound so they weren't like necessarily going and recording foley or anything um, they were trying to like basically just strip away the artifice of filmmaking and make it all seem so ver- you know verite and real. Exactly, yeah. So um so yeah, like it's uh there are a few different films and like it kind of spread out to even some American like Harmony Corinne made a Dogma 95 film called Julian Donkey Boy. Say, how can you tell with Corinne films? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also apparently the director is not credited on the film. That's I'm kind of looking at the rules now. Um, film has to be in color, no, but yeah, okay. So there's some pretty interesting ideas basically to kind of encourage them to be, yeah, to remove the artifice and encourage them to, themselves to be more creative and try to like find ways to create drama without being perfunctory or like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like they don't want to like generate fake conflict essentially. Like, uh, God, there's a word I'm looking for, but it's not coming to me. Um, so yeah, the celebration is one of those films. It's really excellent. I love it, but it's also like bleak as fuck. And <laughs> and I, one of the things that I've learned in this series so far is that I had a very uh, a very limited idea of what I thought Danish film was because I was thinking of things like Lars von Trier films and Nicholas Winding Refn films, and I was surprised by how like wonderful and joyous this movie is overall despite the fact that it has some dark moments like i think that was my big takeaway as i was expecting a much darker film out of another round sure um so yeah that was a very long-winded way of uh, saying that that was my expectation going into it (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense i mean especially uh you know like if you look at much earlier than uh like the current films you know go back to some existentialists like kierkegaard and there is a lot of that bleakness and a lot of the what is life it has no meaning and that is what life is sort of stuff so i can understand kind of why you would expect danish films to be a lot bleaker than some of the ones that we've been watching uh, again, especially if like most of your exposure has been von Trier and and people like that, because those are not necessarily happy films. I'm not sure von Trier can make a happy film. I don't think it's possible. I think you have to be a happy person to make happy movies. So. <laughs> uh, maybe, um, but one of the things that uh, you know that that I do love about um, Kierkegaard, for example, is in that darkness is where you find beauty. And so mm-hmm. even with, so for you, you um, thought that these movies weren't quite as dark as what you were expecting. And for me, yeah, they're dark, but like that's part of what brings about some of the, just that beauty of life. Um, 
and and yeah absolutely and all through the ones that we've watched uh, for this series at least very heavily rely around that theme of pretty much like you have a choice of uh, of what you can do and you can mm-hmm. either focus on the bad or you can try to turn it around and make something good out of it and i was not expecting some of the bigger themes um mm. to come out in, in well, all three of these movies and what's especially interesting about another round too is that this is a movie like uh thomas Vinterberg said that the movie initially like in its initial conception was going to be a bit more nihilistic but um four days into shooting his daughter died like she was killed in a car accident damn and and it completely changed the tone of the film. Like he took that pain and he decided to make a film that was more life affirming. And um, and yeah, like if you, whenever he goes to accept the Oscar for the for best international film, he kind of gets into it. And it is just like one of the most moving acceptance speeches I've ever seen. Like I was crying just watching him accept an award for this film because he was talking about his daughter and like how she basically was like the movie would not exist the way it was the way it is now, if it wasn't for her and like the, the impression that she left. And, and I think that's really beautiful because again, this, like you said, this movie, like it's literally born out of pain to a certain extent. And the fact that he made something that is so celebratory of life is just really beautiful and heartwarming despite like the tragic circumstances around it. Yep. Yeah. And like, I didn't know that, uh, that his daughter had died. And to me, that makes this movie so much more fascinating. And it actually adds a lot to the ending of this movie. And I have yeah. a deeper appreciation for why things were handled the way that they were at the end. Uh, and this also ties in very, very, very closely to, um, to the first theme that we have. So let's go ahead and start talking about this. One of the first things that I wanted us to talk about uh, is how this movie balances uh, sort of like recapturing one's youth and living life to the fullest and the danger of that reckless wish fulfillment and sort of that selfish uh, abandon of responsibilities, health and concern for others. So, yeah, the finding that joy and being able to find joy in every moment, even when things get dark, is one of the things that I loved so much about this movie and uh yeah knowing that that had to happen to his daughter really really changes things especially the ending uh i know that i already said this but again spoilers 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 okay so now that we have the spoilers out of the way uh we can start diving into that yeah um so one of the things i think is really smart about this film is that it centers around four high school teachers which was not apparent to me at the beginning because like the movie starts with this like relay race where they it's like a bunch (laughs) of teenagers doing a a relay with a case of beer where they have to drink an entire case of beer which which is an actual thing i have friends that have done that actual race it's right it's just as disgusting as it sounds because they always end up puking yeah that sounds miserable what what was the rule like if they puke they lose time or something if they puke as a team yeah um, it's wild, uh, and um, but what's what's so interesting is I swore at the very beginning that this was going to be about college students because there's literally a part like right after the relay race opening scene, there's a part where it shows like the faculty meeting to talk about like, hey, we need to have a zero tolerance policy for alcohol, and I remember thinking to myself like, yeah, good luck with that, 
And then, the, then I find out like later that it's a high school, and I'm like, wait, what the hell? Like, what? <laughs> and, it, and it's still good luck with that. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's very true. But like, what's to interesting be is fair. Different countries have different ages where you can start drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the drinking age in in Denmark is 16. Yeah, most European countries apparently like a wildly bad idea, <laughs> like fundamentally. Well. And- What's crazy too is like I read that apparently they've tried to change the age to 18, but the adult pissed off about it. Like they're revolting yeah. against it because it's like they have all these wonderful memories from when they were 16 drinking, you know, in case of beer a day or whatever the hell it is. So I just thought that was so interesting that this is about high schoolers. But what I love about it, like aside from the weird like cultural uh, whiplash that it gave me, was that, um, you know, this is essentially about four middle-aged men who are trying to recapture their youth. And I think that it's so... Like, this movie could have very easily made all of these men come across as very pathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, in the wrong hands, it would be disastrous because you would not find... It, you would not, like... You would sympathize with these men at all because they would just be a bunch of, like, loser middle-aged dudes who are just getting drunk and being sloppy and I- acting like idiots uh, the fact that they're actual that they're high school teachers and that they constantly being people you know what is essentially kind of mm-hmm. like they're alive before they're about to go out and realize like how shit the world is and how much it like just grew down and constantly seeing kids like graduating and like celebrating life and being able to do what they want like it really makes that kind of like bourbon malaise aspect of this film hit home a lot harder um yeah and so i just think that's oh good i was just gonna say like that um you mentioned malaise and that was one of the things that that i was thinking is you know they very easily could have been presented as just like four sad sacks where it's just like my life is miserable but it's more of like they're all dealing with very real very normal very standard life kind of sucks sometimes as you get older and you have to start dealing with responsibilities and you stop just like having fun. So um, I I just closed IMDb because my internet was starting to lag a little bit. And so I was closing down any unnecessary browsers. Um, But you've got, uh, so I don't have uh, each of the actors pulled up, but like you have Mads Mikkelsen and his character, he's, he's married and has two kids and his kids are, you know, uh, junior high high school aged ish and mm. you know he just like isn't really happy in his job he's he's lost his passion for teaching and his wife works nights and so like he just doesn't spend a whole lot of time with his wife anymore and so they're just kind of slowly drifting apart and yeah he's then, very isolated like even when he tries to when he tries to like talk to his kids they're just kind of sitting there watching tv ignoring him which as a as a father <laughs> That's a very uh, <laughs> that's a very relatable feeling. Yep, but like he he doesn't start out with just like oh I'm so miserable. It's just kind of like, yep, this is just kind of where life is. Um, and uh, I I'm gonna come back to like where this movie starts getting heartbreaking and how things are handled so well. But uh, the other characters you have um, the the psychology teacher who has a much more um, robust relationship with his wife they have two young children but when i say robust it's more of uh like they still bicker about things rather than like mads where they've drifted apart and just haven't uh they, they just don't talk about anything anymore 
Yeah, that would be Nikolaj, played by Magnus Malang. Thank you, because I do not have the names. Uh, yeah, so like he and his wife are just arguing all the time, and uh, like he gets, he's he's sleeping on a lot. Which again, as a dad, <laughs> small children <laughs> yep. happen many times. Yeah, his kid keeps wetting the bed, and so like uh, at, at one point, the kid and he fell asleep on the couch, and he wakes up with his kid having peed on him. Which has a beautiful payoff later that I love. Oh, God. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, so like he and his wife are fighting because, you know, they're dealing with the stress of small children. And then you have the uh, the PE teacher who I don't know if they actually make this clear, um, but did, did he lose someone in his life or did he just kind of get old and never have anyone in his life? Like he was alone. You're about Tommy, right? Yeah. Was he alone because like his wife left him or was he alone because he just never pursued anything? I can't remember because I don't remember if it actually spelled it out. It seemed like his wife had left him was kind of my impression because he can't like, especially toward the end of the film, he kind of like said something to Mads, like when Mads was having his kind of marriage troubles, he said something like, you don't want to end up like me. Yeah, so I just, that was kind of I the just, impression that I got. Yeah, I just didn't realize, or I didn't know if it was because of uh, of being left or because of just you know being a bachelor and and being alone. But yeah, so you've got the the older one of the group who is alone with just his dog, and his dog is so old that he has to carry him outside to pee. And then you have the um, his the music teacher. Peter. Was it music teacher? Yeah, you have the music teacher. That's right. Uh, who, you know, like he hadn't found love yet. So he was also alone. So you've got four people dealing with very different kinds of of loneliness. And and again, it would it would have been so easy for this movie to have handled it in such a way that you're just annoyed at them for just bitching about things that it's like, yeah, okay, so you're in this crappy relationship. And like it, it could have been mishandled mm. so easily. But the way that this movie kind of gives you a, a fuller picture of their life and you understand more about them and you understand why each of them are just kind of alone. It's, and mm. this Eric is one of the first things about why this movie, as much as I love it, I can understand why there would be a much larger criticism of some things are just kind of general about it. It's like, yeah, you got four middle-aged white dudes who are sad because they're alone that's something that has been handled in so many movies, not always to the same, um, not always to the same level in terms of it's not always handled well. But I mean, even mm. think of movies like Hall Pass and Forty-Year-Old um, uh, Virgin, and yeah, you know, maybe movies that are leaning a little bit heavier into that same anything comedy. Kevin Smith has ever made. Anything <laughs> Kevin Smith has ever made. So, so again, that, that just kind of general white dude malaise. It's like, yeah. I've seen this before. I think what really, why I think another round is so brilliant uh, is because this movie, what really works is there's a vulnerability to these characters that you don't get. Like right. the scene when I go out to dinner for Nicolaj's birthday and you kind of have that's just sitting there in the background while the other guys are cutting up and having a good time. And he's just slow. Like his eyes are just slowly welling up with tears and he just starts like crying at the table. And I was sitting there watching that scene. And I was like, this is incredible. Like w do men ever like get to be <laughs> vulnerable like this in movies? Like I don't ever, like you never see, like it's the kind of thing where 
like I, you feel that so much. Like there are so many times where I just sit and like, if I'm feeling really depressed about something, I could just sit there and I'm just like hold, trying to hold it back, like hold back my emotions and try to appear normal and okay. And it's not the kind of thing that like, usually men are only allowed to cry in movies or at least in American movies when it's like, Oh, your dog has been killed by assassins, or your <laughs> your wife has been murdered, or you know, and like like John Wick thing. Like, you never see men get to be vulnerable just because they're fucking beaten down by everyday shit that they have to deal with. Well, and with with an exception, and this is why I think this movie is so great. The exception is when the and again, this is mostly looking at American movies. And so I think some of this uh, in large part is looking at a different culture who just you know deals with emotions a little bit differently. But most American movies, if the male is vulnerable, he like has a breakdown and like it is so over emotional and you get right. like, the very, very weepy like, oh, I'm so sorry, kind of of reaction. You don't have just the just that stoic sitting at a table realizing how alone you are and just just tears you know and and it, it's not yeah. like mad started weeping and that was the other thing it was done so yeah very subtly but so emotionally driven so it was only yeah, like one or two tears that came like, down his cheek but you felt yeah. those tears yeah he's just he says like i don't know how i ended up like this i'm sorry like you know he's he's embarrassed a little bit but but the other thing that's great about it too is like the other men they seem a little uncomfortable at first but they're also like genuinely like concerned about their friend they're very supportive of him when he's upset like they all know how he's feeling and it's i don't know it's just really wonderful like i feel like in so many movies when you get like men being vulnerable with one another you have to like throw in some kind of stupid fucking joke about exactly. like yeah there's humor say it all something yeah I think a lot of that comes from the fact that they are teachers. I mean, I don't think it's a, mm. a random choice of what it is they all teach because it's, you've got the music teacher, which is, you know, the study of expression and beauty and art. The mm. PE teacher is, you know, the body, the, you know, the kinetic energy of us all. Psychology, the mind, the analytical aspect of us all, and history, which is you know, studying the past and the mistakes we've made. Mm. These, just by their professions, are they have to be at least um, even the PE teacher. You know, in, in the U.S., it's basically no PEs, like the mindless jock who just couldn't get a job type of thing. But it's still, you know, teaching you have to be, you have to think internally so much about everything you do and how it's going to affect everybody. Mm. And I think that's, if anything, I think that's what's worn down these men the most is they've never just worried about themselves because as a teacher, that becomes, that's not what you do. Yeah. You know, you've got 30 to 100 other students that you're constantly worried about and how they're interpreting things. So you never take the time to really make that connection for yourself. I mean, we've gotten better at that over the past few years. With that type of thing but that's why like when we said you know with their midlife burnout i don't think it's so much that they're trying to capture the the youth as much as they're just trying to capture recapture the joy of living right which is yeah. easier to do when you're young because like you said we don't have worries we don't have the financial worries we don't you know have family worries as much it's just you get to experience life and just enjoy it 
And these mm. men haven't been able to do that for so long. Mm. That even those small moments, like you're talking about at the party, where it's just the smallest thing be- can become so overwhelming because they've shut themselves off to that for so long. Yeah. Mm. And, and I also, Dan, I love the fact that you brought up that their professions, especially what each of them specifically teaches, matters because this is such a great example of visual storytelling and not having to have someone explain it to you in terms of Mads with studying the past and learning from your past mistakes. He has a lot of questions of how did we get here? You know, he doesn't understand his own past and how it led to where he currently is. You have the music teacher, which, like you said, dealing with expression and he is very alone. He doesn't have that person to share in that expression and music. Yeah, you can have some solo acts, but, uh, you know, the, the scene where he draws the curtains and has everyone hold hands and kind of be in harmony like that really brings out the the emphasis of when people are in harmony. It's so much more beautiful. And he is so, so alone. And then you have the the PE teacher who is old and, uh, you know, you get a lot of his struggle. He's working with, with like the children of the soccer team, which is kind of poignant because he doesn't, you know, he never got to have any children of his own. And, you know, you get the sense that he's trying to vicariously have that experience with these with these kids. Yeah. Yeah, so you get a lot of uh, these characters from their profession or the psychology teacher who, you know, is much more in touch with his emotions, which means that he and his wife are just bickering more often. And and it's just so beautiful to have these elements of these characters really brought out through the uh, through the plot and through some of the uh, just through some of these character elements rather than having to have someone explain it. And and it's just done from a cinematic from a cinematic standpoint it's done so beautifully because we've talked about this a ton on the podcast show don't tell and that's mm-hmm. showing us it also is um you know like when i said that even though some of these elements might be a little general in terms of like oh i'm sad because i'm alone which you know like that's just a general theme throughout all of human history so it's very easy to say oh yeah that's a general theme it, it's handled in, again, a way that really brings you in and you feel the emotions of these characters because you're following them on their arcs. And and I just love it. Um, and, and, and you're right. It's not necessarily trying to recapture youth, but at the same time, each of them working at a high school and seeing all of these kids and everything that's in front of them. To me, it's almost like they have a daily reminder, 30 daily reminders of i hope your best days are done right we're just like i hope y'all don't up like i did and it just like there's that constant struggle and and again another beautiful beautiful scene is the music teacher when he's helping the kid with anxiety with the fear of failure sebastian learn how to overcome his anxiety we've not even started talking about the actual we've not gotten into that yet (laughs) but just the way that he is helping this kid overcome fear of failure like i i really got the sense that uh that the music teacher and i apologize for not having their names pulled up again i don't have imdb imdb right right now i I don't know sure why not it's peter 
So I get the sense that uh, that Peter was really struggling with anxiety. And so for him to see that in another kid, it was like, oh, I know how this feels. Or even the PE teacher, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, when, when he was helping Specs. Uh, we're just like, oh, it's okay. You don't have to, to go play right now. Just stay here next to me. You get the feeling that he understood what it was like to be teased as a kid, which maybe is yeah. why he went uh, in into the athletic field because, you know, he, he wanted to, um, to be more in shape so that he wasn't picked on as much. Like you get that sense yeah. that each of these issues that the teachers are helping their students with are the things that they have dealt with. It's never explicitly said, but to me, you just get that feeling, mm-hmm. and and again, it just brings out more of these characters. Yeah, and with uh, with Peter talking to Sebastian about his anxiety too, like the reason he has so much anxiety is because he like desperately wants to go to med school, and he has to have a certain GPA. I think is what it was, and so like he sees, you know, it's like this is this kid's only shot at possibly achieving something resembling happiness, at least as of right now. So like. I don't want to stand in the way of that. And like, I want to make sure that he is able to at least have this opportunity for happiness, the same kind of opportunity that like I am struggling with, you know, like I am trying to, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm currently dealing with my own life. And, and I like to, like, I, I think that's, we keep talking about re- like, I like that we're moving away from recapturing youth because I do think that is a, a little too general of an idea because in my mind now, like, the movie does such a good job of like setting up why these four men would be willing to do something so risky. Like, you know, essentially they want to maintain a, they want to go to work drunk at a high school. <laughs> that is an insane idea. Just I, drunk enough. I was not, just yeah, about to transition. <laughs> I was just about to transition into now that we've covered all of the reasons why all of them are sad. The way that they dealt with it is uh, the psychologist said uh, that uh, that some other psychologist um, or philosopher, theorist, whatever, someone uh, in one of the books that he was reading said that uh, people were born 0.05% too sober or or something along those lines. uh, The blood alcohol to point. You got to admire the science behind all this. You really... (laughs) I mean, other than not having a control group, this was a fairly <laughs> solid experiment. That was one of the questions I had. Like, is this like, is, is there really any objectivity? Shouldn't there? Yeah. Shouldn't there have been one person who's not drinking? Yeah. There should least? have been that. And there should have been observers. But they should have been. Yeah, exactly. They're method. But, <laughs> you know, it's, at least, you know, they're not just like, okay, well, I can have a beer every hour. They're like, nope, we're, uh, we're, we're testing our blood alcohol content regularly. And <laughs> which I got the sense that I, the, the case study idea was, li- was basically just a way of fooling themselves into thinking that oh, this is a legitimate venture. I mean, yeah, it is, I no, it, it 100% is they gave themselves a reason that it's why yeah. they can't. I don't, I don't think it's going to hold up to peer review. <laughs> no, 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 no. This isn't going to make, you know, like any science journals anytime. Scientific Denmark. Well, and very, 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 very but minor complaints. They started off trying. You know. Yeah, they go off the rails pretty quickly. Well, and a very minor complaint, uh, which again, 
within the movie, it doesn't matter. And this is something that is just movie shorthand to get the point across quickly. But the fact that they would drink and then immediately test their uh, blood alcohol level, it's like, that's not how it works. You're not going to like take four shots and then immediately breathe into a breathalyzer and know exactly how drunk you are. And it's, but again, <clears throat> whatever that's just well they used shorthand. a lot of jump cuts in those it seemed like they were trying to imply that they had had been drinking i think but sure you, I mean, but then you scenes where it's pretty quick yeah like you have that one scene where the psychologist um after after he said that you can get drunker if it goes through your nasal cavity you have him snorting vodka and then immediately <laughs> taking a breathalyzer it's like no no oh my dude, god no vodka sounds like the most awful <laughs> thing you yeah, could do I was, yourself no, i was there, waiting for like the vodka soaked tampons to <laughs> you know come into play or something like that, <laughs> that I, so unpleasant i used to do crisis or not uh, crisis counseling i used to do counseling i did used to do crisis counseling but i used to do counseling at a university counseling center and we mm-hmm. saw a whole lot of people uh that had been referred because they got too drunk especially underage and they were either uh, I, I don't want to give specifics um, because I don't yeah. want to encourage other people to do things that are dumb. Uh, let's just say that they found other ways for alcohol to enter your body. Butt chugging. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. They do that in the Jackass movie. One of the Jackass movies. I yep. don't know. They, yeah. There's, and yeah. in uh, Cockwalkers, John Cena does it. Oh, yeah. They do. <laughs> Dude, that movie we should cover that movie that movie's so good sure we we will do a it's scene a month so at some good. point uh right so, so in debauchery month <laughs> before ooh, yes. before we move debauchery. too far from this uh eric when you said i'm glad that we're starting to move away from uh, recapturing one's youth yes i think what, what i they're they're good i i think that what they're trying to recapture is their opportunities so I don't think that it's necessarily like, oh, we want to be young again. I think that it's more of we want to feel like we are not stuck in the current path. And we want they want to be. Inhibited. I think that's kind of where I was getting at. They're seeing all these kids who have no they have very little inhibition. It's right. like they are doing what they want to do when they want to do it. They're going home and drinking or whatever. And they're enjoying life in a way that they all, that is only possible at this point before they have all of these worries. So like I think what it is this is really youthular. It is a life without these barriers, without these anxieties. And so like the drinking is the quickest and easiest way to be able to break down those barriers, to be able to see life in a way where you're not afraid to take these types of risks. Right. And um and I think that's what really it really sells you on the idea of that by putting them in this very specific milieu. Right. Um, yeah. They're trying to recapture the freedom of their youth. They're trying exactly. to recapture the, uh, the lack of limitations and yeah, that, and oh, I like, man. like, sorry, go, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I've, I've already been saying, well, I was just going to say it. What's really interesting. You kind of have talked about how the movie is very general and you kind of talked about like how it goes into like, Oh yeah, alcohol is great, but also it's very bad. And it's one of the things I like about it. Like Vinderberg has talked, I, I sent you guys a, a link to an interview. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, but it was Guillermo del Toro interviewing Mads Mikkelsen and Thomas Vinterberg. 
And Vinterberg is talking about how, like, when he and uh, Tobias Lindholm, I think, is the co-writer. Yeah. Um, when they were writing this, like, when the, the original idea for the film was they wanted to celebrate alcohol. Like, they wanted to celebrate this thing that breaks down those those barriers, those inhibitions, or those, you know, makes you less inhibited. And... um. But he also said that, like, at a certain point, they realized that, you know, like, you can't just make a movie that celebrates alcohol because this is something that also destroys families and kills people. So you have to acknowledge that. But they wanted to make a movie that was not moralistic, that wasn't preaching. It wanted to just show you a snapshot of different people and how this affects them in some way while also being like, yeah, I mean, alcohol is pretty great, which is weird. Like... I don't drink hardly at all. Like I've had a bottle of vodka <laughs> in my freezer since the pandemic started because I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be home all the time. I guess I could start drinking and it's still like half full in there <laughs> because I don't really drink that much. But like when I was watching this movie, I was like, man, I, I've tried to drink wine so many times in my life and I've never enjoyed it in any way. But like when they're drinking wine at that dinner, I'm like, that looks, that looks good. And then later on when they're making those drinks where they're like, was that the uh, like, Was that the name of it? The what? What, what? what was that drink called? Was it called a, a Sasserac? Was that right? My, Something like that. It's like the red drink where they're like putting the absinthe around the rim of the cup or something. I don't know. Like it. Like I'm looking at this. And I'm just like, this looks delicious. Like I want to drink alcohol right now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of the things that, after the fact, bugged me again during the movie. I love this movie. I, I want to keep emphasizing that because I do have complaints, but emotionally, as I was watching this movie, I was so fully invested and I loved every single second of this movie and I got to the end and I did have just so many emotions, uh, you know, happiness and, and sadness and, you know, regret and, and optimism. There were so many things that I felt by the end of this movie mm-hmm. afterwards. And I started thinking about it. It was like, all right, I get that they were trying to make a movie that wasn't moralistic, but the way that the bad things are handled in this movie feels so inconsequential or so just like it's not actually that bad. In the a man died in this movie. A man died. A man is dead. Yep. Yep. (laughs) In the sense, I'm I'm getting to that. In the sense that when they start showing up drunk to work, especially when they show up like drunk and you're like, Oh shit, they're going to lose their jobs, especially after they have like that school meeting and, and the PE teacher shows up like fall down drunk. It's like, Oh, well he's going to lose his job. And like this movie is about to take a really dark turn. Mm -hmm. And, and then like, there's no follow up, you know, maybe he lost his job. Maybe that's something that happens uh, in, in between scenes that just isn't shown, but there's no professional. He was put on leave, wasn't he? Because he I was don't... like at home for. They were like visiting him his at, visiting him at his house later on. And it seemed like he was. Oh, I thought they were just like visiting him at night. Or, but but again, it's not. I don't feel like it emphasized enough. Here is why drinking at work is a bad thing. <laughs> or you have Mads, who you know, as he's being less inhibited around his wife, and he starts trying to rekindle their relationship, you know, that's when you realize that um, his, his wife was having an affair, and that doesn't even come out until he gets like fall down drunk and can't even make it home. And mm-hmm. and again, like it's such an emotionally wrecking scene when um, 
when he's talking to his kids and he's like, yeah, I I'm drunk. And they're like, you've been drunk for a while. And it was like, yeah. Oh my God, that's so, so heartbreaking because of course kids see things that, that parents don't think that they see. You know, we talked about this, uh, when we were talking about jaws with, uh, with the scene where, um, is it Brody where he is thinking about what's going on and his kid sees him just like all forlorn and he realizes mm. like, Oh crap, my kid is watching. I need to start making funny faces and he transitions and there's no dialogue. And, and you know, Eric, you and I talked about how that is such a perfect scene. Mm. And so you get some of that in another round with the kids seeing things, even though the parents maybe don't realize that they're seeing it. And, and then his marriage falls apart and it's heartbreaking and it's terrible. And then he rekindles his marriage. And so it's like, there's no, if, if anything, it actually made his marriage better by these terrible things uh, happening. And I really, does he rekindle the marriage? Yeah. All, you, all we know at the end is he gets a shot. Yeah. There's you nothing know, saying it's going to work. That's in my true. mind. It's, it's, it's the hope. And that's why I love that in so much. It's good. Yeah. So, Hopeful, and I, I think what what I think really works for me is that by the end of the film, it's not like it's not pulling the the Jamie Fox and blaming it on the alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 forcing these men to be accountable for their actions. Sure, which is great. Like because again, they're like the movie makes them very endearing, and you're kind of on them on their side to a certain extent. But by the end of it, like you know, when Martin. Mads is like drunk and his sons find out that he's been drunk like like he finally admits to being drunk for so long because he's like on the ground outside his neighbor's house with a bloody cut on his head like the disappointment in his son's faces where they're like oh yeah fun dad was too good to be true like it is so heartbreaking it's done visually and then like when his wife like finally realizes that she you know, she mentioned, she says something like the problem. She's like, she's like, I don't care that you drink with your friends. The problem is you always have fun with other people and never with me. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the idea is not that like alcohol causes these problems, which I appreciate because I think too often in a movie like this, it would be too easy to scapegoat it and be like, oh yeah, we're going to stop drinking forever. And in this movie, it's like, no, the, the, Drinking is not the problem. The problem is that you're not there. You're not speaking to your wife. You're you're isolating yourself. You found an outlet and you realize that you can be fun again, but you can do that without the aid of alcohol. Yeah, like you can. The alcohol just magnifies the issues that were already there. Right. And I don't right. disagree. It, 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 it makes them unable to hide or hide behind anything at that point. Right. And I don't right. disagree with anything. And those are the reasons that during the movie, it is so, it, it, it is so emotionally captivating and why I was so invested because I do not disagree with anything that you were saying at all. It's also true that mm. because <clears throat> alcohol is heightening these problems and because alcohol and, and yeah, it's not scapegoating it into like, Oh, well it wasn't me. It's cause I was drunk. It's yeah. Yeah, It's like, Oh, we stopped drinking and now all of our problems are solved. Right. (laughs) And like along with alcohol, lowering your inhibitions in terms of like being more fun and being a better teacher and all that other stuff. It also means that, uh, uh, all of the other defense mechanisms that they had up to avoid their problems were also breaking down. So they did start uh, dealing with things in a much more raw and emotional way. Absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. Also, after their friend dies because he was drunk and went out on a boat and drowned, they 
deal with that by drinking and 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 again during the movie i was invested during the movie i loved it i love it it is the ending scene is such a great scene when they're all celebrating and you have mads running through the champagne showers it is great it is a beautiful scene and i love it i love the dance that he finally does at the end uh you know his his friend who had been trying to get him to dance the entire time it's like oh no my back now that his friend is dead he finally lets loose and sort of dances in his honor it is an emotionally Chekhov's scene. jazz ballet is maybe the greatest Chekhov's gun that has ever existed in history. They, they're like, yeah, he took jazz ballet. And what's funny is like, I love that I knew like Dan, you had posted something about how like, oh, Matt's dancing at the end is incredible. And so I knew that by the end of the movie, he was going to dance. So there was this like tension the entire movie where I'm like, Fuck, is he about to start dancing? Is this it? Am I getting there? Are we about to see it? So like it added this extra layer of enjoyment to me where I was just like waiting for this moment <laughs> I feel, to happen. I feel like this is definitely a conversation like Mads and Vinterberg have had in real life. Where they've known each other for some time. It's just like, you know, Matt, he's like Mads, I'm gonna get you to dance in one of these movies. <laughs> Mads is like, no, 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 you're I mean, not. I mean the guy's no, a f- like the crazy thing is Mads his he started his career as a trained dancer. Like that's what yeah. he did, but apparently he hasn't done it in thirty years because we Keep making him a fucking bad guy in movies. Like, God damn it, let Mads Mickelson dance. Put him in a we musical, put, for God's sake. Or dance as a bad guy. In a movie together where they can just dance. Yes. Oh my God. I would, I would literally just watch a movie of him just like dancing through the streets and it for two hours. Like, my God. <laughs> maybe, that, I, maybe that's a Grindelwald film. <laughs> I, I want uh, Christopher Walken, Mads Mickelson, and Keanu Reeves to do a musical buddy assassination revenge comedy yeah i mean all of those words i mean, I mean just made so, me happy so yes, yeah. like i, I don't even I need don't, to drink i just need to take another take another it, sip of a sip of all that my exactly. blood alcohol level Hugh, just went up you need to have Hugh jackman as the cop that pursues them yes <laughs> <laughs> so so again i don't disagree with any of those points about why this movie is so great and but again, you get to the end and after everything, it's just kind of like, hey, let's have another drink. And again, during yeah. the movie. Did you not see the title of the film? Another round. Yeah. <laughs> They're having no. another round, my friend. I, I get it. <laughs> I mean, what I think what the I'm thing saying is they suffer is, the consequences and they learn do they, from that. Do they? Well, it's, it's I, like I, everything else in life. It's everything in moderation. Sure. I don't think it's a bad thing that they were... I don't. Uh, this will get me in trouble. I don't necessarily uh-huh. think that it was a bad thing that they were drinking at school. <laughs> Jesus, I hope no one I work with listens to this <laughs> because I don't. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing because it allowed them to be better. Right. Yeah. I mean, as Sebastian, we're on their side is because we start to see what fucking great teachers they are and I, yeah. and I think of this like one kid that i work with specifically who christ he's only 13 and his life is shit but when he comes to school high he has a good day his anxieties don't get the best of him his anger doesn't come out he can actually have a, you can tell when he didn't get a chance to smoke weed before coming to school at fucking mm. third yeah. Because he has the worst day, and it's just like every day I'm like, can we just hand him a joint when he walks into school? He'll be fine, you know, because he's not, he's 
the smart kid he wants to be, but his his anxieties and his depression, anger just get the best out of him when he's mm-hmm. on the left. Yeah, and his family will never take him to counseling. <laughs> or it's never going to happen. Mm. He's never going to get on the medications he needs. Yeah, but he can get weed self medicate, and it's like that's what I'm thinking of when I see these guys drinking. It's as long as they know how to do it appropriately, I think they'll be fine. But unlike m- most men, when we discover a good thing, we go too fucking far too soon. Yeah. Oh my god! Like when they when they get to the part two and they're like, "All right, we tried it with point five. Now let's just do individual. It's like individual and variable levels. Like we just kind of do what we yeah. feel is is you know is co- is comfortable for us." And then Mads goes straight to point twelve. <laughs> he's like <laughs> almost double the legal limit, and he's like, "He oh god, I love it when he like runs into the door frame and he's got the bloody nose." <laughs> and then he goes in and he teaches this incredible lesson with the kids where he's talking about like, you know, kind of like our preconceived notions about what it like, how we feel about people who are drinking Mm -hmm. and with his like thought experiment about like, okay, here's a guy who drinks, you know, all day long. He has a drink, but like as soon as he wakes up in the morning, you know, it's Winston Churchill. And then it's, I think it's like Roosevelt. Basically they elect Hitler because he's clean and sober. Right. Like that's such a fun scene. His anger gets the best of him. <laughs> well, and like that's, See, that's that was the, the other thing, thing is during loosen up and have a drink during exactly. the movie. During the movie, like when they do finally go too far, they go too far real quick because they're real fine, hard, yeah. fine, 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 well, fine. They've gone too far, and again, like you, you get that. And okay, when I said I have complaints with this movie or I feel like it's handling things a little too generally, it's stuff like that where like they go real hard really quick, but then things get resolved really quick. And, and this movie never goes as dark as I was expecting it to go and good or Mm -hmm. bad. And we'll get to that in a second in terms of how this movie handled its tone. But that's some of the stuff that, that I mean when I said that this movie in retrospect, in my over analysis, thinking back on it, it feels so general. It feels so just kind of like, yep, here's four white dudes that are having general white dude problems. You know, none of them are really that bad. They're all just kind of lonely. So they start drinking and then they drink too much and things get worse, except they don't actually get worse. Everything's just still kind of fine until one of them dies and that's terrible. But then they drink and they're all happy again and you get this beautiful ending. That was the over analysis of of like just looking at some of the plot elements. You say general. I say relatable. Relatable. Sure. Because the majority of people with with drinking problems, this is their life. Right. You know, not everything needs to be as bleak as Antichrist to handle midlife malaise, you know. <laughs> that is very true, and I have said a number of times that I don't think that things have to be groundbreaking to be amazing. Mm. All that I'm saying with this is I, all that I'm saying is I think that this is a very valid criticism that could be levied in terms of what is on paper. Yeah. But no, well, and but, I think that's one of the hold, things. Hold on, hold on. But, Sorry, you you your sound cut out. I thought you'd stop talking. You know Stupid. me; I never stop talking. Stupid on that. <laughs> but Problem. what is on paper is not where this movie has such a powerful impact. It is the performances that really sell yeah. 
how just kind of like ah, I'm sad because I'm lonely how heartbreaking that is but in a way that's handled very realistically you know like we said at the very beginning it's not that big overdrawn over emotional I'm sad yeah it's it's just yeah I'm here with my friends we're having a good time <sighs> but I'm still fucking lonely like it, it handles it in such a beautiful way and and again the acting is so strong that even though some of the plot elements might be general they are done with such conviction that you are on board with them the um one of my favorite scenes in the movie because of how different it is from what you would get from most american films the uh the scene where they're all just like getting plastered and they're drinking way too much so it's you know after they say oh let's figure out how drunk we can get and like they're all having a good time and it's all great and it's all fun and then like the sound cuts out as as uh, each of them just kind of like starts passing out and and getting drunk and and you get that darker feeling not oh is because, this the part where they like start dancing to the to sissy strut uh, or whatever, like, I, I and then think they, so and then like the music cuts out it's like and when just, mad says he's out like he he has his chance he to like he's like all right i'm not gonna do this anymore and then right before he's about to leave they like entice him with that incredible they, looking but they drink. don't even do it like, it's just sitting there and he's just kind of like uh, okay one more he's like uh, all right fine i'll have another round and then it's <laughs> then it's all yeah. downhill from there so when the music cuts out in an american film like there would have been something there there would have either been the music turning to that much slower and darker tone or you mm-hmm. would have gotten like you know the ringing in their ears from them like getting blackout drunk or whatever but the fact that it just goes silent that to me was one of the most beautiful scenes in this film because of they think that they're having so much joy like they think that they're having fun that they're lowering all of their inhibitions and like finding their true selves but they're finding emptiness you know all of them started drinking and trying to find a better way because of all of their loneliness mm-hmm. but you know as we were talking about the alcohol only heightened that and so when the sound and at cut a certain out, point they're starting to use it as like a crutch right and so for yeah. me when the sound cut out like that was emphasizing how isolated they had truly become through their alcohol and again mm-hmm. beautiful storytelling through visual and lack of auditory and, and it was great and and like i said at the beginning some of the plot elements might be general but none of that takes away from how much I felt during this movie. And, and, and again, this is great and I love it. I actually, you know what, Nathan, I agree with you. Like it's, you. it's something that I was thinking about too. Like by the end of the film, I was like, you know, this movie doesn't really do anything too surprising, which was actually what was most surprising about the film is that like at the end of the day, it is, sort of formulaic and it is kind of a crowd pleaser which i was not expecting at all but i I like that about it because of how i think like what you're saying illustrates how well made this movie is and how good it is well i think it also goes to the dogma aspects of that (laughs) yeah yeah he's not no it's it's he's not trying to manufacture drama from exactly you know from craziness it's just the drama is coming out of their real life choices. Right. Yeah. They yeah. never milk it in any way. And that's, that's one of the things that I think is so beautiful and why I think like 
you take this script and give it to almost any other filmmaker and it is a worse movie yeah because it would lean way too into like the scene one of my favorite scenes in the movie for how fucking just quietly devastating it is is when mads after he has the fight with his wife he meets up with her in that restaurant and she's like, okay, yeah, we're here to discuss like the, a birthday party, I think is what it was for their right. kids. And he's like, I miss you. Yeah. And she's like, I just can't do that. Like, I need space or whatever. And it's like a very small scene. They don't raise their voices. They don't freak out. They just have a quiet disagreement. And it is fucking gut-wrenching. And it is so much more powerful because that is how that would play out in real life. It wouldn't be... I'm flipping over the table and acting like a jackass and all this stuff like you would get in any other movie. It's like she just ends up cutting him down and you don't blame her in any way. Like you completely understand why she feels the way that you do, even though you still com- you still sympathize with Matt. Like he's you understand he's completely learned his lesson and he will try to do better. But you see that she's like been going through this for so long. Yeah, she can't. She's not the, ready for that yet. Like it, know, knowing that you were wrong doesn't erase what you did right Right. and she didn't go on this emotional journey with him because he shut her out of it like again like we've been through this with him but she isn't there yet and it's one of those things it's like it's why that ending is so cathartic and it's incredible it's crazy too the one of the most cinematic moments of the movie is a fucking text message (laughs) like (laughs) unbelievable man like i'm so like I think one of the coolest things ever is that Thomas Vinterberg was nominated for a Best Director Oscar because this is the kind of shit that never gets attention for directing. Like if you're if you're getting a directing Oscar, it's usually because you're in your E2 and you're doing one shot camera tricks and or you know craning through the fucking or every shot's a fucking painting or right. Yeah, it's it's almost more of like a cinematography kind of nod. Mm-hmm. But this is so subtle and so beautiful like such nuanced filmmaking where every single decision is so uh, it's it's always the exact right decision to hit like the hit the the emotion of the scene in a way that never feels contrived that's the fucking word i've been looking for this yeah. entire episode is contrived yep. um god i just i love this movie and again yeah, it's no, it's, I, like i i do agree with you nathan i like that it's general and a little formulaic but that's that just highlights to me how strong the filmmaking is in the fucking the performances in this movie my god we haven't even really talked that much about how mads is giving the greatest performance <laughs> in any movie ever in this it's so good you at expressing obviously have not watched men and chicken face. yet i have not but i don't think anybody i, I can't think of another person who is better at face acting Man, than Mads Mikkelsen. He mm-hmm. does so much with his face and and like you you get you get so much from just like tiny little uh, like when he clinches his mouth a little bit or just like the way that he kind of wiggles his nose. It's just like you know exactly how he feels from just like the tiniest face movements. Um, he yeah. does subtle subtle mouth acting. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he has a pretty mouth. Let's just let's just be honest. So, well, he would never work as a stage actor. <laughs> so, really quick side note. Um, speaking of uh, the scene with his wife, were either of you surprised when she said that she had been having an affair? Because something happened early on where I was like, oh, she's totally cheating on him. Which, again, was part of just, it, it felt so formulaic. Like, things were happening. It's like, well, she's obviously cheating on him. And... Anywho, yeah. um, well, he, he, he had checked out. I mean, it was so obvious yeah. he had mm-hmm. checked out of that marriage. 
Yeah, but yeah, and but he, you don't you don't get like those stupid conversations of you're so checked out in this marriage. Like you you didn't yeah, have yeah. all of the you didn't have all of the dialogue that is unnecessary in a movie like this. Um, so when I was watching it, I was thinking of other like dark, dramatic, maybe with a bit of comedy, uh, college movies, things like um, uh, oh shit, uh, Dead Poet Society or With mm-hmm. Honors, and both of those movies even though drastically different in tone and with honors doesn't get nearly as dark you still have someone die but um like with both of those movies they just they they get so dark and like you you're watching that movie to feel the sadness and i kept mm-hmm. expecting another round to go there i kept expecting it to get dark you know like when um when mads's wife left him i kept expecting him to just completely go off the deep end and to get completely drunk yeah. and throw away everything when um when when he showed up to school a little bit drunk i kept expecting him to lose his job <laughs> and for that to be the thing that kicked everything into motion like I, I kept expecting things to get so much darker and so much bleaker and yeah. i don't know if that's something that i think the movie did more realistically in terms of you know yeah sometimes one small decision can completely wreck your life but a lot of times it doesn't and you just kind of have to deal with little consequences uh that that stem out from it or if it was unrealistic and how it was handled but appropriately handled to balance that tone of that darkness and that comedy and to give you more of a sense of life like this movie felt so true to life even in the moments where it wasn't yeah like even like the when you said that it made me think about that that dinner scene again that i mentioned a a minute ago like we talk about how that's played very low-key and i think in in a lesser movie like when it's trying if it was trying to be super dark or whatever there would be like a she would have like this righteous anger and she would just fucking hate his guts. Yeah. But in this scene, like you can tell that she is heartbroken to be breaking his heart. Like she doesn't want to hurt him in any way, but she just can't be with him right. at, at well, least in this moment. And, and it's, and it's heartbreaking for both of them, you know, like she feels for him in that moment, even though she doesn't want to be with him. And that's like, I mean, that feels so authentic to a yeah. like an actual crumble. I mean that's there's obviously love there and I feel like so often whenever there's a breakup in a movie it's always like I'm throwing a fucking vase at your head. It's like war of the roses. Kind yeah, of stuff. Well, especially when when dealing with alcoholism, most movies especially especially like Hollywood movies, there the alcoholism almost always creates something super tragic. Like they hit someone with their car. Yeah, or they would hit one of the students, or something like that. But that is not how most alcoholics live their lives. Mm-hmm. Most of them go fairly unnoticed, mostly because they've driven away most of the people that tried to get them to stop drinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's that like of quiet, quiet desperation type of thing I, where absolutely. it's not it's not operatic. It's it's very very small, very very quiet usually. Yeah, even with like with Tommy, like Tommy, he goes out on his boat. He can't get the life jacket on, you know. He and then he drowns, and it but it doesn't show it. It just shows like the boat going off into the distance, and you know what's going. I mean, it's not surprising at all what happens to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like 
like you use Dead Poet Society as an example. Like when you get to the suicides with spoiler alert for Dead Poet Society. <laughs> for, for a movie that's like 30 <laughs> years old. This the suicide scene in that movie is very like drawn out and you and it's kind of like going through the motions and it may like you said it makes it this big operatic moment. Mm-hmm. It almost like there's something about that that like in hindsight when you watch a movie like this it almost feels kind of like casually celebratory celebrate yeah like it's it's making this into a momentous moment a big dramatic moment and in another round it's like he just sails his boat off in the distance and you don't know what ha- you don't know if he drowned if he deliberately committed suicide i mean he took his dog with him i think that he was just uh, drunk and fell overboard <clears throat> because i yeah. don't think that he would have taken his dog if he was mm-hmm. intending to kill himself because he obviously no, I guess loved that's his a good dog point. So the I, only like, thing I was thinking is like he wanted a companion with him at the end of the day. Do they even mention if the dog survived? Like, did the dog they, go? Yeah, go they, in? I don't they, know. Uh, they show that scene. Uh, cause they, they show him sailing out, and then it, it's been a while since all of us have watched this, uh, by the way. Mm. <laughs> so, it's been like three weeks. Um, that's why. It, they show him getting in the boat with his dog, and then you get the scene where one of them gets a phone call, and you just know, like, oh, he's dead. And then they cut back to. Uh, the boat and the dog and that's it oh man and then oh that's right yeah the boat with the dog and then like the fact that they deliver that news during graduation like it's the graduation scene and Mads is there and he's like so excited to see all the okay also side note why do they all get sailors hats is that like a a Danish thing that I'm not aware of I think it's a Danish thing yeah the whole getting on the boat thing yeah it's like they're sailing off into the sunset but, it's, but like our, love, it's like our cap and gowns type of thing, you know? Yeah, that's what I was they thinking. They really should have had sticks no playing. I, guess, to anyone. I want a fucking sailor's hat. I would wear that all the time. I'm not going to wear my fucking mortarboard hat. <laughs> yeah, I would have much rather had a sailor's hat and gotten on a boat than a hundred march and get that weird little fucking hat. A hundred percent. The uh, song awesome. at the end. But I love the juxtaposition uh, of that, though. The, the song at the end that Mads was dancing to really should have been Come Sail Away. <laughs> no, I, I, that that song "What a Life" is. I've been listening to it a lot lately. I think that song is really incredible. <laughs> it's it's so it fits so perfectly. Like it's just so beautiful. Um, I really I really like it a lot. Um, so yeah, I where was I going with this? I don't know. You're sailing off into the distance, and you fell. Oh, I was just board. saying it's not like it, it doesn't. It yeah, it, it's not like. Fair- very showy about it it's not operatic it's just like yeah he went off and then he's gone and that's terrible but also like he was still a good person and you still (laughs) that okay so you get to the funeral scene in this movie and this is the moment where i start losing it sure the like the actual death of tommy doesn't really didn't really hit me in the way that like, you know, it's not like I was like devastated that he was dead, but as they like carry, as the pallbearers go out and it cuts to fucking specs. Yep. <laughs> crying on the pews. I just like immediately a faucet came on. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, Oh my God. Like he, he's sitting there. I'm like, I'm like getting emotional just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like this poor little kid who just had this guy who was there, like trying to help him with, who was just sensitive to his needs. Basically. In in a sport, which as a as a person who has a child in little league baseball, 
Adults are almost never in this area sensitive to the needs of a child when they're playing sports. They fucking go out there and berate them if they don't <laughs> catch the ball correctly. Well, it's how insane. are the kids ever going to learn to be better? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you beat them into submission. That's how it's- it works. <laughs> my god. Little League in Tennessee is the is the worst. <laughs> I, I hate it so much. Um, but yeah, like this, like this is an adult who cared about him and like didn't want to push him to do anything he didn't want to do. And this kid is so adorable. He's like the fucking Danish Jonathan Lipnicki and Jerry Maguire <laughs> with his little glasses. And he when he puts the rose on the casket, I'm just like a, a mess. <laughs> um. So like it it brings you down kind of low, and you're just like really sad that this is happening. And then that kind of goes into the the ending moments of this movie where. Mads Mikkelsen dances. Yes. <laughs> hey, but before we talk about Mads dancing, can we talk uh-huh. about one more thing that we oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Th- that we've mentioned? But it is the thesis of this movie, and maybe a little bit of an exposition exposition dump, but in a way that um, uh, it makes sense within the story. But also thematically, it's like, oh yes, of course, this is the entire. Is it movie. Sebastian's test? Yes, it oh, is okay, Sebastian's I, I'm glad you mentioned this because I meant to bring this up. When the question that they give him is about like anxiety and, and failure and, and some of that stuff. And yeah, fine, whatever. He drinks to get the courage to give his answers, which again, God, some of this. I wonder if some, he actually did. Like uh, that was what I wonder. I was wondering if this was like a Space Jam Michael secret sauce situation or secret stuff or whatever. Like, was he really giving him alcohol? I assume he probably was because I'm. It's not a, an American you, film where it's you like, oh, would know that you would know the difference of taste between vodka, or think, gin, yeah, and fair. water, especially if it was gin. Like <laughs> you, you would know. Um, but but yeah, the when he is giving his response, and again, problematic uh, issues aside, in terms of here, just get drunk before you take this exam, which might have an impact on the rest of your life. And obviously, I mean, drinking is going to make it better. It, it saved him from missing out on the opportunity of his life sure so. which again i can understand uh i, I can understand Vinceberg <laughs> wanting the movie to not be preachy or moralistic but at the same time uh <laughs> I, you do also run the risk of being uh glorifying like really quick aside uh go to letterboxd and read all of the reviews and so many of them are like man this movie just makes me want to drink and it's just like I, I mean I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and so by them avoiding being moralistic, uh, the movie does end up to be a little bit glorifying of alcohol. Anyways, not the point. Love it. Not the point. The point <laughs> is when uh, Sebastian is giving his response of, "Well, I know failure because I failed, and you, you can learn from it and be better." And you know whatever else he says, I don't remember all of it. I have the exact quote. I actually wrote this down. He says, "You must accept yourself as fallible in order to love others in life." He's giving a he's he was asked about Kierkegaard, right? Yeah. And the movie opens with a Kierkegaard quote, right? Too much pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, you must accept yourself as fallible in order to love others in life is what he says, which is a, a beautiful thesis statement for this film. It's pretty like kind of pat and clean. But I think it's it's one of those things that is general enough that it fits well and has like an immense amount of depth to it the more you dig into it in the context of the film. Yeah. And and again, it is absolutely the thesis of the movie. 
which you know bookends very nicely with the uh, the quotes at the very beginning about like life is a dream and youth is the sleep or whatever it was i, I don't remember the it was actual. uh what is youth a dream what is love the content of the dream yeah close enough to what i said <laughs> <laughs> you got so, it so um yes <clears throat> Uh, the dance. Let's talk about the dance. <laughs> you mean the greatest moment in the history of cinema? It's, sure, let's, it's it's let's fine. It. It's fine. Oh my god, it's so good. I've watched the I've watched the ending of the like I've watched this scene on YouTube like six times. <laughs> it's a great dance. Um, I love it. It's it's beautiful. Uh, I thought maybe it was just from like the image that's on IMDb, but. I thought that he was going to be running in slow motion and I'm very, very glad that they did not use slow-mo when he's running through all of the kids shaking the champagne. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great dance. You know, it, is it like, Oh my God, this guy is amazing. That's fine. It's, it's a fine dance, but dude, that car will impressive. No, it's, it's very impressive. It's very good. It's like 50 the, years old. I it's a, he? it's a good dance. The thing that I love the most about it is you know, you get a few scenes throughout the movie where his friends are trying to get him to dance and like they're getting up and doing, you know, they're doing some of the moves, but they don't have that same flair. They don't have that same style. So even mm-hmm. though the moves that Mads is doing on their own, not necessarily that impressive, just the the flow that he has with the music and finding just that that beauty in his movement that's what makes his dance so great and it and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel you know like uh, singing in the rain where it's like a routine you know it doesn't feel yeah it doesn't feel staged and it doesn't feel choreographed right it feels very much like Vinterberg was just like all right get drunk go dance and go Mm -hmm. and and it's great and it works and I love it and it leads to an ending that I hate the only scene the only scene of this movie that I hate is the freeze frame no, the, the I do. Oh, I do boy. not like the freeze frame. The freeze why do you frame hate, is perfect. Why do you hate joy? Because it represents, <laughs> and I'm and I'm literally pulling like I. This isn't a thing. This isn't even like a thought that I had. For, like this is something that Vinterberg says specifically. He says that he ended it on a freeze frame because of the mixed emotions. He is caught between a downfall. And he and caught between joy and his downfall, essentially. Like he is caught caught between despair and joy. He is in between diving headfirst That's into the depths fine. and also uh, being like okay, his like of pure elation. Vinterberg's uh, reasoning fine. I'm I'm on board with it. It makes sense. I don't like it because it stops that movement. You just had this beautiful dance. You just had all of this elegant movement. You had Mads Mikkelsen dancing around, swinging on uh, the boat bus thing, doing cartwheels. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And then when he finally dives into the water, which again, like I kind of thought was beautiful. The fact that his friend had just died by drowning. And now he also was plunging into that depth, but in a way that, um, that was like part of his celebration, not only of his mm. own life, but celebrating his friend. I thought that it was great. Like him diving into the, the ocean. It was great. I don't like the fact that it stops his movement because for me, it shows um, it doesn't show the follow through 
of the consequences of one's actions. Exactly, because we don't know where he's going to land. Right. He's got to yeah, land in the water. We, we you know his, exactly his, where he's going to land. We know his wife misses him. That's not how cinema we, works, Nathan. We, we don't we know how that relationship's mm. going to work out from this point. So he's literally taking the leap of faith at the end of the movie, and we as an audience aren't going to get to see where he lands. If, if, it, if, it, had cut, if it had cut to black, I would have been more okay with it. It's it's very possible that he could have sprouted wings and flown to heaven. It's very possible. <laughs> it's very possible that he could have landed flat on his face and died. <laughs> he could have hit like, a speed we don't know. Have very well. Yeah, he could have been he, that could have been the shallow part of the water. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been, there could have been no water in that particular point. He could have dashed himself. The, the camera pans up and he's laying in an inch and a half of water like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like it, like it could have been any number of things. Somehow, if it had gone to black, I would have been more okay with it. It's just the, the freeze frame to me. Fascinating. I did not like the freeze frame. It didn't ruin the movie for me or anything. It's just it got the freeze frame. And I was like, because when you're happy, no. you, you don't want the joy to ever end. With that freeze frame, it doesn't end. It, it doesn't end. Capture that moment of joy so that you can hold on to it. And here's the thing: if he fell in the water, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. We wouldn't be That's debating true. it and, and trying to figure out what the meaning of it is. So mm-hmm. I like, I if, love the freeze frame. I think it's great. If but it had been made in the I 80s, just, I would have been fine with it. I especially love the dance at the end of this movie because, again, I think it's one of the most cathartic things I've ever experienced in any movie I've ever seen. Because, like I said, I was already like a mess from the funeral scene. And what's so beautiful about it is it's it's kind of a great bookend to the opening dinner where Mads is the one who's kind of, you know, the other guys are talking and Mads is in the background just kind of in his own world contemplating his life and what's going on. And that's when he gets the text message from his his wife that just says, like, I miss you, right? Or sorry, I want to see you. I want to get... I, I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. that phrase, but basically she's like there is hope for him. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful about this moment is that he doesn't say a word about it. He just stands up like he sees the kids celebrating and he just stands up and is like, I am so like, I am a live wire right now and I have to get this out. Like I am euphoric and I have to just dance. Like the whole movie, even, even when I was in the depths of my inebriation, I was never, I never let my guard down enough to dance with these other with these other men who like to dance and have fun. But now this is it. Like this is the moment where I am most high on life, where I am most drunk. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> I am going out and I'm going to fucking dance because I am thrilled that I have this chance to live the life that I want. And and especially because they constantly, yeah, they constantly do the thing where it's like, yeah, dance, you have these lessons, dance, we want to see you dance, whatever. It's like, he finally says, all right, I'm going to show you motherfuckers how it's done. <laughs> and and it's so good, too, because he goes out and he kind of does like the dance with them where they're like sort of like synced with one another. And then he sits down on the bench and looks out at the at the horizon and then he turns around and jumps up in the air behind the bench. And then he does his like he he moves away from the pack and he is now on his own path away from these mm-hmm. men. Like he is he's not like bound to this kind of pack that they've gone. He's finally moving on his own and realizing what he needs to do to move forward with his life. And yeah, it's just it's a great dance. It, it feels very like 
like I don't think I've ever seen a movie that made me want to dance more. Like I wanted to just fucking get up and start <laughs> dancing around my living room. It was just I don't know, man. I love it. What the, I'm just yeah, kind of rambling yeah, at this point. You have but. that bottle of vodka. You could have made it happen. It's such. It's just such a beautiful moment. <laughs> the the thing that it's I do joy. the thing that I do love about the ending of this movie aside from all the stuff that I already said in terms of you know like he's finally celebrating his own life finally <laughs> celebrating uh, the, the life of his, of his friend who had passed all of that other stuff I do love that at the end of this movie you get you know just just enough you get uh, that snippet of how each of their lives are better not because of the drinking, but because of finding that balance between responsibility and inhibition. So, you know, uh, yeah. uh, Mads is finally taking responsibility and he's trying to um, trying to work things out with his wife. And and there's that potential. And you see with him letting his guard down to dance. Yes, he had been drinking. But to me, you get more of that sense of he is willing to make moves that he hadn't moved before. He is willing to, to do things that he hadn't done in a very long time mm. in terms of making much more of an effort in his relationship. Uh, you have the music teacher who, uh, who finally went on a date. And, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and so like, you, you start seeing some of that connection, and he makes that <laughs> really stupid joke about giving her uh, the, the low D or whatever it was. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Peter, Peter, the only like kind of qualm I have is that Peter doesn't get as much of an arc as the other guys. I mean, I guess he does. He is the one that has the Sebastian yeah. thing, which is which is kind of like the the heart of the film. Yeah, no, he he's he has uh, a lot to do. You don't with see him. as much of his actual like personal life. His that's is just kind of like because yeah, he is alone. And he doesn't yeah. have that marriage and family. And, and again, like so much of this movie, even though I do think that you feel the weight of these failing relationships, you don't see that much of them. Like you don't get that much interaction um, between Mads and his wife. You don't get that much interaction between uh, the, the psychology teacher and his wife. Most of what you, you, I mean, you get, the, you, you get oh, enough, but most of this movie centers around these four friends Mm -hmm. and and oh shit where was i going with that I, there was some place very specific um the, oh, right just like about them um, dealing with the fallout consequences yeah so like because most of the movie it centers around these four friends and because you have that sort of like fraternal brotherhood that i think is is great in terms of showing uh that they are able to maintain these friendships and that they're able uh to to have someone to confide in even when their relationships are falling or failing rather you do also see, and you know, we already talked about this a little bit uh, in terms of when Matt's wife said, you're out there having fun, but you're not having fun with me. Um, you get a lot of stuff that is nonverbal between the friends. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, like the, that sort of like quasi montage when they've been drinking and like, they're doing that like little silly walk, uh, like a not running race. Yeah. And uh, they're like arm wrestling and like you get a lot of these interactions and you see how important their friendships are. And it doesn't come across as like, I feel like it, if I were to come across these dudes being drunken idiots in a park, 
in real life, I would be like, what a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> but in this movie, when you see it, it's like, oh, that's so sweet. They're hanging out having a good time. <laughs> it's because Mads was there. So well. If you if you came across a drunk Mads in the park, <clears throat> you'd be like, aw. Oh, yeah, I would be best friends with him. Exactly. I, mean, I would take him home with me and, and you know, feed him and make him happy. Exactly. So uh, one, one of the <clears throat> things that, again, visual storytelling without needing to, like, have an exposition dump, without needing to have someone, like, really drive home the point, the, the longing that each of these friends saw in the other's life. And you get that from uh, two scenes with Mads, which uh, got beautiful scenes because of, again, I think they show that longing, but also they show some of the dangers of alcohol and the inability to say no. But the first scene when they're out to dinner and he's like, oh, no, I'm driving. I can't drink. And he sees all of them drinking and like they kind of say, oh, it's delicious. Are you sure you don't want any? But like they're not mm-hmm. really pressuring him. <clears throat> He yeah. just sees each of them enjoying a part of life that he is not enjoying. And then he's like, yeah, all right, I'm going to drink it. And then like, he just downs the entire glass and he's like, yeah, I'll have another. Uh, and then <laughs> when uh, the scene where it's like, all right, I'm out and they start making uh, that, that drink uh, that I, I forget the name of it. Um, and he's like, nope, that's it. I'm going home. And like, he starts walking out, but then he sees it sitting there. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're fine. I'm going to try it. So, like, both of those scenes, I, I feel like they are serving a dual purpose. I, I, I feel like they are not only presenting the inability for each of these people to not not be selfish. And I don't, I don't mean that in like, a, oh, they're the worst people ever. All they think about is themselves. But just in a, I'm unhappy. What's going to make me happy? Rather yeah. than what is the good thing to do to make the people who are important to me happy? Mm-hmm. But also, again, just some beautiful visual storytelling of seeing others having fun and wanting that, the, the, that sort of jealousy, but without the, again, without that over-dramatized, like, oh, you, you've you never experienced the loneliness that I've had. You, you don't get any He's not, that. like, petulant about it, which I right. think a lot of other movies like this, the guys come across as very whiny, and you immediately are, like, turned against them, like... Yeah, like that, they're, they're having a pissing a contest with a with whiny white dudes. You yeah, know? <laughs> like it's, it's almost like most other movies. They're having a pissing contest of who's more miserable, right? And, yeah. and in another round, they're commiserating. They understand the pain <laughs> yeah. of the other. They're not trying to top it. They're not trying to ignore it, but they're trying to find a way to uh, almost distract, but in a way where it doesn't feel like they can't handle the emotion. It's more of a, we recognize that this is painful. Let's try to alleviate some of that pain. So, you know, yeah. uh, when, when they see him cry and, um, and, and Tommy's like, oh, get up and dance for us. It's not <laughs> a, oh, emotions are hard. We can't do with that. I'm going to act like an idiot. Dance. It, it's not like <laughs> that. It's a, you're in pain. I know that dancing used to bring you joy. I know. Mm-hmm. Why don't you dance? And, it's and, like and when again, you have a child who's crying and upset and you try to like turn it, like change the subject and get them to focus <laughs> on something that makes them happy. Right. And, and it's not like the inability to focus on their pain or their emotion. It's let's find a way to not have you dwell in this so that you actually can yeah. get past it and that you actually can address it. 
and yeah like i man I, I do that with my son all the time whenever he starts crying I'm like dude it's okay to be sad right right because humans are emotions and people are like it's 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 okay to be sad we get sad sometimes right right when when you're sad it's okay to cry right yeah right does crying fix it no so it's okay to cry right right then what do you need to do talk about it that's right dude so let's talk about it why are you upset and and it's never like a stop crying i never want to tell my sons to stop crying especially if they're sad it's mm. it's trying to help them realize yes feel that sadness express that sadness let's find a way to address the sadness rather than mm. dwelling in it and and yeah the, the the way that the friends in another round do that again great so much visual storytelling that doesn't need over explained which is why we're here to over explain it <laughs> i think you do get that I, th- I think your point was that you were saying you don't get as much of that with the family um <clears throat> but we did no, no, skip that, over the, that that was the point was so much of it is centered around the friends the friends yeah and so you get the relationships through the experiences with the friends so that way mm-hmm. the few scenes that you do have with each of the families they're, they're heightened like there's only i think two or three scenes where the psychology teacher's wife is actually on camera but like you you get what their relationship is because of yeah. uh because of the relationship with his friends even though it's not talked about that much like this feels like a very lived in world these feel like very yeah. real complex emotions despite some of the generalities gotcha okay i see what you're saying yeah yeah i was gonna i was just gonna say we skipped over the one scene that i think is kind of crucial where they go camping and the movie very pointedly shows that mads has a bac of zero that he is not drinking at all and he's still fun loving mads and you know he goes uh, hiking, canoeing, or whatever with his kids, and then he and his wife have sex in the tent, and she starts crying because she's like, "I've missed you." Yeah, like where have you been? You know, essentially, and, and, and much like what you said about how you distract the kids by reminding them of something that they have fun doing. This was him finding that thing that the, she used to love to do. Yeah, that was a mm. way of reconnecting with her. That you know, that's shows that he could still have fun. He remembered what it was that brought them together in the first place. The, the camping mm-hmm. and canoeing, right? Not the boning. All of it. <laughs> well, all because she, they even like, they do a I good job even, like, kind that. of prefacing that because he's like, because he's going to have like a break from school or whatever. He's like, hey, we should go camping. And she's like, what? Are you sure? Like, you get the sense that he's the kind of guy who like every time he'd have a break, he's like, oh, I'm just tired. Let's just stay home. Let's not do anything. And so she was yeah. excited that he was showing any kind of initiative or any kind of interest whatsoever. Um, uh, she, she wasn't excited. She, I think already had plans with uh, her, her affair lover because she was like, Oh, I have to work late again. <laughs> I, I didn't get that at all. I mean, I guess at that point I, you didn't know about the affair, but it seemed like to me that she was just, she was, I mean, either way she was surprised. Like she sure. did not expect this of him in any way. So you get the sense right there that he has been so disconnected at, from her and even whenever he tries to communicate with her early on like it's so half-hearted um anyway sorry we're kind of rambling we've already covered this topic there's one more scene that i want to mention just because we said earlier that it had a great payoff later 
uh, the psychology teacher whose name I don't think that we've said at all this entire Nicolaj. episode. Huh? Nicolaj. Nicolaj. Okay. Yeah. So uh, early when Nicolaj is on the couch with his son and they fall asleep and his son pees <laughs> on him. Then later in the movie, when Nicolaj gets super drunk and goes home and crawls into the bed with his wife and son and then pisses the bed. Yeah. <laughs> a brilliant full circle moment for that character. Like absolutely just perfect. Especially and because, it drives his wife away. Like his wife and kids leave. Well, especially because like part of his response is like what the kids do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he doesn't see in that moment. He doesn't seem to understand the gravity of the situation at all. Right. Like he is so out of it. Well, and, and again, great job of showing how in in the attempt to recapture some of the 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 prospect of youth even if if they're not trying mm. to recapture youth in that attempt to recapture the freedom they went a little too far and started recapturing some uh juvenile behaviors yeah. so exactly you know, yeah. the, the they regressed a little too much exactly so him exactly. pissing the bed is like oh yeah no you went from like like the fun loving you know late high school early college into the little kid who doesn't know how to not piss the bed and, yeah. and again it's it's, it's so good it's, it it is great this is a great movie it's, it's really incredible how well these guys act act drunk. Like I can't imagine a more difficult challenge for an actor than to pretend to be drunk. I think they were drunk. And I mean, they might have been. They said that they studied like YouTube videos of people <laughs> drinking and stuff, which I think is hilarious. But like they even really nailed that kind of like glassy-eyed kind of puffy face look to a certain degree. I don't know if they like did the What's the thing that they blow mint in your eyes or something when they want you to cry? Like they, it feels like they had to do something like that, especially Mads. Like in some of those close-ups on him when he's teaching his class, like they, there's that kind of like distant, like glassy-eyed look that is so particular to someone who has been drinking, and it's just I don't think I've ever seen a movie really nail that this well before. Um, I don't yeah. know, it's, just, it's brilliant. I, I so think good. they were drinking. <laughs> they're probably yeah, they're just they're just showing up to the set drunk. They they just did the experiment while making the movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> the movie's actually a documentary with some narrative elements thrown in. Ah, uh, <clears throat> allegedly. allegedly. All right. Uh, in, in, anything else that either of you want to mention about this movie? They, uh, as is the case with pretty much everything that we talk about, I feel like we could keep talking about this for hours, but I also feel like we've. Uh, pretty much addressed all of the major issues and by issues i mean talking points not like problematic issues i would uh, agree yeah and not no, just because 11 45 right right <laughs> <laughs> um all right then let us very very quickly uh talk about how this was the right choice and how i am glad that it kept making it through another round in our popcorn punch out uh did either of you watch the salvation yes it is good it's a very very solid western it is a very good western mm-hmm. with uh some of the um uh vfx at the quote-unquote nighttime ooh, yeah ooh. okay eric <clears throat> if you ever watch mm-hmm. the salvation 
it, it is a I'm good sure. western Probably it will. really is there there's a lot about it that is like yeah this is going like old school western and not like the the sort of like new wave like oh we're in the west even though nothing about it feels you know genuine ish <laughs> It's not like a post unforgiven neo western kind of thing. Right. This this felt very very much um uh like for a few dollars more ish or uh with like like hints of Kaoma type of western. Not this sounds not as good as either of those. Not as um uh tense I would say. But some of the the story beats are like yep, this is what you would get from an old western. Where it, it, you know, it, it's not that action heavy until the end, and even then, it's not that action. He- Anywho, uh, there are a number of scenes that happen at night. There's there's a good chunk of this movie that happens at night. Mm-hmm. None of this movie is filmed at night. No, they just do some day for night stuff. Painfully obvious that none of it is filmed <clears throat> at night. Oh, really? That's interesting. Uh, annoyingly I like obvious. That. I, I hate it. Ooh. <laughs> It, look, it always stands out to me when it happens. It's yeah. like, yeah, I have trouble with it for that reason. That it always, I always know as soon as they're doing it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, all right. Yeah, it looked. Gotta, gotta let this one go, but it's okay, still you can't help but notice. It looked I'm pulling real up the trailer bad. now to see if there's any anything in the trailer. I'm, I'm sure there is. Uh, but aside from that, solid western. If we do a uh, a western theme. I want this one to be in the the possible options because yeah, there's oh man, there there's a lot to talk about with this one with yeah. like you know the Jeffrey Jeffrey Dean Morgan always plays a great bad guy. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, this uh, is a film by Christian Levering who was one yeah. of the Dogma ninety five guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eva Eva Green's all I always love it when she shows up in something. She's yeah. she's one of those actresses that like as soon as I see her name, I'm like yep, yeah, watching it. She was underutilized, but oh yeah, but when way, she's there, it's fucking awesome. Yep, and she brings a ton to the camera, even though yep. she doesn't speak. Uh it yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan did a really real good uh, bad guy, but you know, like the <laughs> oh man, there's there's so much to talk about this with this one. Very very black hat character for a western, you know. Yeah, but, man, yeah, the sky. Like I'm looking at this now, like the. Whatever the digital it looks color, bad. like whatever the color grading or whatever the I don't know what the actual term is for this, but the sky looks weird. Yeah, the, yeah. it does. I mean, uh, it looks so unreal. The, the the way that this movie handles some of the themes of the other and the outsider and like <clears throat> the town banding together in a way that is terrible. Like you get so angry at the town for how they band together, and yep. uh, the the way that Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character is like like you sense that he is pure evil because of how distorted his views got based off of the decisions that he made which again with the uh some of the driving themes of each of these movies uh with with our march madness ooh, that fit in real well there was there's a lot that we can talk about with salvation but there would be a solid five minutes just complaining about the uh, the vfx of the night uh oh, damn mads mickelson has a face Made for a cowboy hat. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but sure. Uh, another round. And he looks good in a cowboy hat. Another round versus a royal affair. Started watching a royal affair, and it seems fine. I, I think I only got like thirty minutes into it. Uh, it's it's acted well. It's a historical drama that feels very, 
made very well. I don't. So Nicolas Arcel, who uh, has like a story credit on uh, our next film, mm-hmm. which is uh, Riders of Justice. Yeah, and then I didn't watch. Yeah, much I didn't, yeah, I didn't get around to a Royal Affair. It sat on top of my Blu-ray player upstairs for like a week, and I just could not get to it. <laughs> it's, it's got that has Alicia Vikander in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to see that one for sure. I mean, it's, it, from from what little I've seen of it so far, it's good. It is just exactly what you would expect from, you know, a, a period piece, emotional drama love story of the queen being jilted by her terrible king of a husband, and and so then she mm-hmm. has the forbidden love. Yeah, hot people and like beautiful clothes and and then hot people out of their beautiful clothes and dancing balls, you know. Uh, like, <laughs> I, Sounds I great. What about dancing balls? Uh, one of the things about the salvation, <laughs> Anders Thomas Jensen has a writing credit on it. Yes, he does. Oh, does he really? Oh, of course yes, he does. does. <sighs> Guys, nice. Uh, can 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 we go ahead and start talking about Writers of Justice? Because no, no, <laughs> no. Because eleven fifty one. Because not only do I love that movie so much. Anders Thomas Jensen, really he he is on par with the Coen Brothers for me. Yeah. Oh. Do, you, do you guys now see why watching that movie made me want to do March Madness, though? Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, that was it, wasn't it? Like Rogers of Justice was kind of like the catalyst for this. It whole was thing. completely the catalyst because I was like, "Holy, f- I need to watch more of what this." Because once I found out. Because like this movie's really good. Who directed it? And I saw that name, and I'm like, "What else have they done?" I'm like, "Oh my god, these guys have been making films together for 20 years. Mm. I need to see these." Yeah, and I was yep. not. No. Yeah, 100%. and so uh, just a heads up for our next episode. When we talk writers of justice, I do want us to set aside a little bit of time to talk about some of the themes that we uh, have noticed throughout this entire month. Because I feel like Riders of Justice is the perfect cap for some of these uh, these questions of did I make the right decision or you know um, if I had done something different what would have happened and you know mm. how would my life have been different the the role of faith the role of chance the role of um, um, uh, what's what I'm looking for um, ah shit the opposite of chance uh, monkey's um, ball no. <laughs> Uh, fate? Predetermination. Yes, yes. Either of those. Fate, predetermination. Like, there's so many things that that we've been discussing over the last two, uh, couple of episodes that Writers of Justice just absolutely brings home. And, um, yeah, there, there are just a whole lot of questions of <laughs> and I cannot wait. You, you set that up. <laughs> God damn it! What a uh, I can't even be bad. That kind of scared me actually. Like that was really loud. Oh, that was fun. I'm sorry. I was just sitting here looking at. I I just remembered that Anders Thomas Jensen also mm. co-wrote the screenplay for the Dark Tower movie. We know what happened. What happened? What happened is a it was an American movie. movie. Yeah, Akiva Goldman is to blame. We're gonna blame him. God damn! I need to find that script. I need to find his script of that film. I know, yeah. I want to. got fucked with. That's so wild to me, uh, man. That also, Idris Elba is really great as Roland, but man, can you imagine Mads Mikkelsen as Roland? Yes. What a what a perfect casting. Or, or the Man in Black. I or the, oh no, okay. Either. 
<laughs> I mean, I like Matthew McConaughey. He's fine. He's he's good. I was super excited about him being in that. But now I'm just imagining Idris Elba versus Mads no. Mikkelsen. I know that Mads I Mikkelsen want- is always a villain in American films, but God damn it, he was destined to play Mads Randall Flagg. <laughs> oh, yes. Film. Just just go Perfect. all being John Malkovich with it. Show just how alike those two characters are. <laughs> to have yeah. Mads play both. Ooh, yeah, it could be like Mads with like his nice like salt and pepper long hair that he's got in uh in another round. He, that would mm-hmm. be Roland, and then Randall Flagg would be like the well, I guess maybe it could be the other way around. I was thinking Randall Flagg could be like the Riders of Justice Mads. But <laughs> it makes more sense for Riders of Justice Mads to be Roland <laughs> and another round Mads to be uh Yeah. To yeah. be what, the man in black. One of the either way I'm on board. He Either literally way. is at the end of this movie dressed in all black. He is at the end of another round. So it makes perfect sense. One of the things that I at least plan on mentioning uh, during our writers of writers of justice episode is how versatile of an actor Mads Mikkelsen is that I just did not realize because I had seen American movies with him and men and chicken. And yeah. even though those are you know, pretty much the opposite ends of the spectrum, he Ah, it it is insane. Just like any role that he is in, he he just it, especially, oh especially in the Thomas Anderson films. Yeah, those, he is a different character. He is like wildly different in every single one mm. of those films. Yeah, it is. It's unbelievable, it, and it it's especially crazy because he's usually like Riders of Justice. He's such a like stoic. I have to bury my emotions deep kind of character. And, like, when you see him in real life in, like, interviews and stuff, he is the most, like, goofy, cut, like, he is one of the most, like, charismatic, fun-loving people. Like, he's the kind of person you see him and you're like, I just want to be best friends with you. Yep. Yeah, the the, the press stuff from the new Grindelwald film has been f***ing hilarious. (laughs) Oh, it's 100%. I I 100% guarantee you that the interviews with Mads Mikkelsen are... 99% 99% better than the film that's going to come out of it. Like, the film was probably just made so Mads Mikkelsen could get more, maybe like, press time. Needed, maybe this series needed him. You know? Oh, it definitely. This, I mean, this like... Was, you know, this was there another round. The first <laughs> were the, the drunken missteps. And now they've realized what they need to do. Absolutely. <laughs> so now they just need to the door it and go back in time and uh, edit out Johnny Depp and put Matt in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of people like going back and changing movies after they've been locked or whatever. Like, you know, the movie's the movie, but I would uh, I would support the, the George yeah. Lucas cut of the first two uh, Fantastic Beast movies by it's a composite Mads in there. 100%. <laughs> Mads is the fantastic beast. <laughs> he is the fantastic beast. Bro, he's the Mads cut. <laughs> uh, oh, all right. <clears throat> Enough talk of Mads until our next episode where we talk more Mads. Dan, where do you want people to find you? You can find me on Twitter at HBO to Front Row and on my website, HBO to Front Row.com. And Eric. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say more words. Uh, I am on Twitter at the Chimerican, which is spelled T H E C H I M E R I C A N. I'm also on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews and on Letterboxd at Eric J A Y. Nathan is like <laughs> I, just, I love 
I just love how wrong you are about my words all the time. Like, there have been so many just like, oh, I didn't realize that uh, you were done talking. Or, oh, I thought that you would stop talking. <laughs> yeah, I think you do it on purpose. Like, you, you like, st- it sounds like you're hitting um, an end point and then you keep talking. And then this time you're like, and Eric, I thought you were going to say, and Eric, where can people find you? And you were just like, and Eric. Ah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Yep. And you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep coming back for more, just like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends, uh, share the love of the video monsters, and uh, yeah, come back for more of our March Madsness now that it's April because that's how we do <laughs> things. Ah, yep. Yep. And and I'll save this for next episode, but we've got something fun planned for April. And by something fun, I mean something that's going to have a lot of Eric saying, dude, what the fuck to me during our popcorn yeah. punch out. I've already said, uh, I've already, I've already <laughs> pulled a, a few WTFs. Oh my God. We haven't <clears throat> even gotten into it yet. I cannot wait. It's going to be a blast, but uh, we will give more te- more details about that in our next episode. All right. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. I'm Eric. And I'm Dan. And, uh, yeah, go out and have another round. Or, you know, <laughs> don't, because sometimes drinking is God. dangerous. Or God, you know what? What? You just reminded me that I'm mad at you because you didn't pull the fucking <laughs> Hamilton clip. <laughs> Supposed to, we're supposed to come in saying let's have another round tonight, but no. Nathan was too busy raising children. <laughs> I just reminded you that, I, that you're mad at me. I love that. I'm <clears throat> mad at you. Yes. <laughs> you, you should be. All right. Go watch more movies. Go watch another round. It's a great movie. I mean, we've spoiled everything, but uh, yeah, if somehow you made it to the end and uh, haven't seen it yet, it's a great movie. Go watch it right now. It's available on somewhere. Hulu. I think that's where I watched it. It's on Hulu, yeah. Yeah, it's on Hulu. A lot of Matt's movies are on Hulu right now. Yeah, Rise of Justice, Men and Chicken. Oh, my God. Eric. <laughs> so I watched Men and Chicken. Dude. <laughs> I did watch Rocket Man, though. Dude. That was I, fun. I don't think that you understand. You will get three minutes into Men and Chicken and say, what the fuck? Why? That is nope. No hyperbole. Yeah. I think I'm a little bit... I'm a little... Uh, I'm a little hesitant to watch this film. I'm a little concerned about what I'm going to see. Oh, you see. should be. You <laughs> should be. feeling very trepidatious about this movie based on... I mean, for one, the title. Yep. Yeah. Like, even the title just kind of evokes very strong emotions. Um, yeah, I think Mad's character in this film might be one of might be his greatest creation as far as characters. So like, I'm so curious, but I'm phenomenal. It's also the kind of movie where I'm like, I feel like I'm definitely going to have to watch this when I'm home alone, so that way I'm not judged by my wife. Oh yeah, your wife could walk <laughs> in at very inopportune moments. I um, yes, but also only a few. Can I? Okay, let me ask a question. Yes. Are any chickens choked at any point in this film? Um. Well, Mads does it frequently. 
<laughs> Euphemistically or yes. I think the answer and to either, both is yes. I was gonna say, what's the? I, I assume the answer is is yes, no matter what. Uh, like without any qualifiers. Lots but, of cheese, uh, cheese thievery. Cheese uh. <laughs> thievery. <laughs> I love the cheese thievery as just like a combination of words is, mm. is inherently funny. Yeah, it's it's hilarious every time it f***ing happens. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really oh is. man, I guess I'm gonna have to watch this movie.